because the goal today is to unwrap the real you. And can you imagine giving God a greater present than being the redeemed you? Hello? Not the you that you become to fit in with people who don't understand spiritual things. Listen, one of the things that we cannot do is we cannot agree with people who have limited and qualified and regulated to like non-existence the move of the spirit okay lift your hands There'll be no obstacles today. Father, I know what you want to say. And I speak liberty in this place. That your word will flow. That Father, by your grace and by your spirit, we will rise up, throw off those old things, those old mindsets, Father. We'll kill some sacred cows. We will become the people of God. We will not allow limited men who have limited you to limit us by their suppositions, their opinions, and their judgmental attitudes. Father, we declare we are the freed people of God. So show us today who we really are, and we will rise up to that standard. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, you've heard me say this so many times, and yet every, there's three things we must know if we're going to become successful in kingdom living. And, and understand that kingdom living is not just about natural prosperity. There's a whole lot of people that got luxury cars, big homes, and they are spiritually destitute. They're naked, they're poor, and they don't even know it. Kingdom living is where you've got all of this and that where you've got the natural resources flowing with the spiritual resources, right? You understand what I'm saying? It's not this or that. You can, it, it, it's cake with frosting. It, it's all of this. It's shalom, y'all. It's nothing broken, nothing missing, and that's what we want to be. We don't want to just settle for just natural prosperity at the expense of spiritual prosperity, but nor do we want to be what we would call spiritually Although I got to say this, I think it's an impossibility to truly be spiritually prosperous and physically poor. I really do. Because as you prosper in your soul, you'll have prosperity in the natural realm. I really do. But there are people that think they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. So they appear in the spiritual to have it all together, yet they're broke. You know, when I was a missionary, I, it, used to, it would break my heart to see broke missionaries who left their lands their languages their families with great zeal but no money to go to a foreign country and make no difference y'all following me so what we want to do we want to rise up and be the people of God that we have all of the spiritual giftings and the natural resources so we can make a real difference in our generation and it's all for us it's all there the promises of God are yes and amen. And in him, that's every one of them. 
And so the Lord has had us on this trail for about the past six, seven weeks about the unveiling, the revealing of who we really are. And I'm going to tell you a sad truth. Most churches, and I've been around, I know I look stunningly good for my age. It's my delusion, let me have it. But I've been in ministry long enough to know that this is the sad truth. Most churches know very little about redemption. Oh, they focus on salvation, hot and heavy. But they don't know anything about the recreated human spirit. They don't know what to do with a saint once they're saved. They just try to get them saved again and again every week. But once you're saved, the question is, now what? Now what do I do? Because see... And you've heard me say this, you'll never really understand redemption if you don't appreciate and understand creation because redemption is not just about getting you to heaven when you die. Redemption is about a new kind of life. It's about a kingdom life, Zoe life, dominion here on this planet. See, is this my, listen, if, if, if getting saved was just about going to heaven, then why didn't you die the moment you accepted Christ? Right? Why not just say, I receive you? And then you be with him. The fact that you're here means that there's something that he wants you to become while you're here. And in order to become that, you need to understand that I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And in fact, let me ask you this. Have any of you exercised your faith this week? By acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Have you, have you said this week, no, 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 I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Have you said, I'm the healed of the Lord. You know, I, I'm blessed, I'm anointed, I'm highly favored. Have you, have you dared say that this week? We'll say it more this coming week. Because the redeemed of the Lord are supposed to say so, so that we can unveil the real us and become the us. You know, the Bible teaches this, and I'm chasing a bunch of rabbits this morning. The Bible teaches us that the earth itself groans. For the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God, the earth needs us to become more than a club that meets on Sunday mornings in this building, that building, or the other building. The earth needs us to be the overcomers who walk around this planet turning darkness into light and releasing the captives and setting them free. The earth needs us to become who God has envisioned us to be. So this, this is a Christmas message because I, I want to I encourage you to unwrap you. To become the you that Christ died that you might become. Amen? The, the title of this morning's message is The Hidden Man. And the real you is not the you that everyone sees. The real you is inside of you. You know, we're fond at RLC of saying we're building an army and not an audience. And our focus is on building an army because armies win wars. Audiences do not. Soldiers run to battle. Spectators run away from it. And we are in a battle right now. We're in the middle of a war. And I'm not just talking about a war between two kingdoms. We all know that, that we are in a war between light and darkness, between good and evil. But there's another war, a war that you fight just as frequently and you need to be just as violent in your attack, and that's the battle of the two yous. 
You see, throughout the New Testament, there's, 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 we find two different distinct personalities. The outward man, a.k.a. the old man, and the new man, right? A.k.a. the spirit of man. And we're told we're supposed to put off the old man. And we are supposed to put on the new man. And can I say this to you? Angels don't dress you. How many of you got dressed by an angel this morning? No, no. Angels don't dress you. An angel is not going to force you to put on the new man. You and I need to make a choice. I am putting off the old man and I'm putting on the new man. And the first thing we got to do in order to do that is recognize we have a choice. We can be new and behave old, or we can be new and be fully blown new. Amen? Listen to this out of Romans chapter 7, verse 22. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 22. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Let me read that to you out of the Passion Translation, just for oomph. Truly, deep within my true identity. Everyone say true identity. You see, the Apostle Paul recognized there's a true identity, but if order for there to be a true, there has to be a false. And most of the church lives under the false. Never really appreciating that God has made them new. Because it takes some courage to step into the new. It really does, because the old people that surround you are going to say, who do you think you are? Yes. When you begin to behave with confidence on, and an expectation, no, 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 no. When I lay my hands on the sick, they will recover. That ain't just for some elite. That ain't for the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teacher. That's for the believer. Yet most believers will never have the confidence to even try to lay their hands on the sick because they've been trained. There's us and then there's them. But in Christ, there is no us in them. There's not Jew. There's not Gentile. There's not male. There's not female. There's just redeemed. And you are every bit as anointed. You may have a different task, but you're every bit as anointed as those prophets you admire. You're every bit as anointed as that apostle running around the nations. You are the anointed of God. You are the favorite of the Lord. I know you're stunningly attractive in the natural, but bro, you ought to see yourselves in the spirit because in the spirit, you look just like him. You are recreated in his image and there's more on the inside of you. In fact, it's on the inside. Everyone say the inside. That's where all the glory is. That's where the power is. That's where the potential is. That's where the love is. The peace that's unspeakable and full of glory. That's on the inside of you. And what you and I need to do is we need to retrain ourselves to live as spiritual people in a natural world. But our spirit is meant to be paramount. Number one. Is this okay? So Paul said, truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God, not my flesh. No, my flesh, sometimes I'd sooner hit you than pray for you. And you know that's true. Because that's the old man. In fact, listen, 
When I first got saved, one of my heroes was a man named Charles Greenaway. He's been with the Lord for many years now. But Charles Greenaway was just this old-time Pentecostal preacher. And, I mean, he had, man, he had some amazing stories about dealing with witch doctors in Africa. And there was one time he told a story he was riding a Harley across the grasslands of Africa. That was his transportation. And he got into some quicksand. And his Harley began to sink. And the sun was setting. And he said he could hear the lions because he was in the high grass. He could hear the lions moving and growling. And he knew they knew they knew he was there and they were going to have white meat. <laughs> and so Charles Greenway, there ain't no get, so he prayed. He said, God, if you don't get me out of here, I'm dead. So he, he appealed to the Lord and he said his Harley rose just levitated up off the, out of the quicksand, moved across, sat on dry land. He got on it and let those pipes be heard. <laughs> this was the type of man Charles Greenaway was. And Charles Greenaway shared this story. He said he grew up in the 20s in Chicago. And this is the way he shared it. He said, Steve, he said, back when I grew up, he said, the Irish fought the Italians. The Italians fought the Latinos. The Latinos fought the blacks and the blacks fought the Irish. He said, well, it was just everyone fighting everyone. If you didn't look like me, talk like me, walk like me, we fought. And that's, the, that's what he grew up in. And he said the, the, the Greenaway brothers were abnormally large and abnormally vicious. Nobody messed with the Greenaway bros. And no one thought the Greenaways could get saved either because they were so rough. Well, they went to church one day and every one of the brothers got saved. And so Charles said the next day he was walking down the street and somebody called him a derogatory name. I think he said it was a wop. He did something. And he turned around without thinking and laid the dude out. And the man was laying on the ground, blood coming out of his nose. And Charles thought, wait a minute, I got saved last night. I'm talking about the battle between the old and the new. Yes. See, he instinctively reacted out of the old, but then he reminded himself, I don't do this no more. So he reached down, he picked the guy up, dusted him off and said, I'm sorry, I don't do that no more. He reminded himself. And see, you and I need to remind, when you behave like the old man, you know what I'm saying. When they do what they do and they push all of your buttons and you react the way you used to react, you say things a saint ought to say, you respond the way a saint ought to you need to remind. It ain't about condemnation. It's about the new nature. It's about saying, you know what? I'm sorry, I don't say that no more. You just said it, but it don't matter. I don't say that no more. I had a fit of carnality. Now I repent. And I don't. We need to remind ourselves there's a new man and all of the things that we want to be, all of the things that are Christ-like are in that new man. Peter called it the hidden man of the heart. Is this okay this morning? So every once in a while we ought to remind ourselves I'm not the old man no more. You know, what? I don't want to chase too many rabbits. Let's keep going. Is this okay? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. And I got to tell you, I had a real battle yesterday because when you're preaching along these lines, I could just sit here and read the whole New Testament to you. Because yeah. that's what it's all about. It's all about living as new creatures. Second Corinthians, you know, the answer to every problem is inside of you. Those witty ideas you need to finally have that financial breakthrough, they're on the inside of you. The problem with most of us is that we spend a lot of our time walking by sight. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But we need to learn to walk by faith. Because by faith, you can connect to all of God's answers. Whatever it is you need, 
That's what he is. That's the reason why he is the great I am. I am whatever you need me to be whenever you need me to be it. And we connect to that through our spirits. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says this. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. This is why we don't give up. It's the reason why we don't. You know, when you, if, if you get discouraged and depressed and despondent, that's because you're looking at things naturally. Because in the spirit, you've got no reason to be depressed. In the spirit, you never get discouraged. Because in the spirit, you see that greater is he that is with you than he that is against you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is out there. In the spirit is where you see the angels. In the natural is where you see the impossibilities. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. And I pray that he would unveil within you. Where? Within you. The unlimited riches of his glory. Selah. In you there are unlimited riches Christ in you is the very hope of glory. Smith Wigglesworth used to say this. I'm a million times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Do you know that's the same for you? You are so much greater through Christ and in Christ than you've ever dared contemplate. You and I think of impossibilities. That's natural. In the spirit, there are no such thing as impossibilities. If you need to get from here to there and there's water in between you, do what your master did. Well, pastor, that's impossible. For natural men, yes, but not for spiritual men. Well, you know what? I got to feed five kids and all I have is a box of macaroni. Then try praying multiplication. Well, pastor, that's impossible. Says who? Them? Is this okay? See, we, we've allowed preachers who have PhDs to tell us what we are not. And you know, and Brother Hagin used to say, you know what PhD stands for? Post hole digger. Because it doesn't matter what their educational level is. If they focus more on your sin than your righteousness, they ain't worth listening to. Because I don't need someone to tell me that I was a good sinner. I was a really good sinner. I come from a long family of good sinners. I don't need anyone to tell me I was unrighteous. I know that. What I need is someone to sit down and tell me, now, James, this is who you are in Christ. This is why a thief will steal no longer when they discover who they are. This is why a liar will no longer lie when they discover who they are because they're no longer... See, my behavior is not modified by your code. My behavior is modified by my new nature, which is created in true holiness in the image of Christ. So when I discover who I am, you don't got to tell me what not to do. Just tell me what I can do. Mm. unlimited riches of his glory and favor 
and favor. Do you know what favor will do for you? Favor will do more for you in one moment than you can get in a lifetime of labor. All you ever need in any situation is favor, and it'll work out in your... And favor's in you. You're clothed in favor. Right. You've heard me say it before. We read the Bible and we read about the Hittites and we read about the Canaanites and we read about the Amorites. When you look in the mirror, you ought to say, behold, God's favor, right? Because I come from the land of favor. I am the favorite of the Lord. And so every circumstance, every situation, every opportunity you go into, if it be the will, that's all you need to know. God, if it's my if it's your will for me to do this, if it's your will for me to be here, if it's your will for me to pursue this then nothing can stand in my way because I'm your favorite. If it's not God, you simply don't do it. Don't go there. Don't become a part of it. But if it is God's favor or God's path for you, don't allow anything to stand in your way because you're the favorite of God. I need to get off this one verse. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor. Uh, Listen to this until supernatural strength floods your innermost being. Until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. I'm telling you what, the gospel of Christ is gooder than anything we've ever heard in our lives. Hmm. Everyone say, I'm going to win this war. I'm going to become what Christ has ordained me to be. I have to chase another rabbit. I, got, I, I have to explain what death is. Because in order for us to appreciate life, Zoe life, we have to understand death. Okay? What is death? Theologically, death is separation. Theologically, that's what death is. In the beginning, you remember in Genesis chapter 2 when the Lord told Adam, this is where you can go, this is what you can't do. Gave him one restriction. And he told him, he said, if you disobey me, and I'm paraphrasing, in that day you shall die. In the Hebrew, it means in dying, thou shalt die. Meaning, when you disobey life, you'll step over into death and it'll start a process that will ultimately end in your death. Okay? But when you understand that death is separation, now we can understand what it means to be spiritually dead doesn't mean I'm not animated. It means I'm separated. Okay? When your loved ones died, they didn't cease being. They just became separated from the physical. Physical death equals separation from the physical realm. But it's not the end of life. It's not they don't cease to be. Yeah? So spiritual death then is separation from the spirit of life. When Paul said that you, we, you and I ought to consider ourselves dead to sin, what he is saying is we ought to consider ourselves separated from that. I'm no longer under its influence. I'm no longer under its authority. I'm no longer under its dominion. I'm separated from it. It doesn't mean cease, sin has ceased. I'm just separated from it. When Adam, is this okay to kind of be like Bible school this morning? 
when Adam was in the garden before he committed treason, Adam had, I like to word it, Adam had six senses. We all know that natural man, a fully developed natural man without a handicap, has five senses. Everything man knows about his world, he comes to those five access points. The brain can only process what comes to it through those five access points. But now imagine a man born completely deaf. He's dead to sound. Doesn't mean sound doesn't exist. Just means he's separated from it. I'm not confusing you, am I? Okay. Because see, a lot of people say, well, if God existed, I would see him. I'd hear him. I'd know him. No, you're separated from him. By sin. Okay. So a deaf man, you and I hear vibrations and tones and melodies that he has no way to access because he's dead to it, he's separated from it. If a man was born completely blind, I mean came out of the womb without sight, he's dead to light. No color, no shades, no shadows, no nothing. He's dead to it. That sense has been shut off. It doesn't mean that realm of sight and light does not exist. He just has no access point to it. When Adam was in the garden before he committed treason and was separated from life, he had all of his five senses, but he was also had another sense. You can call it faith if you want to, but that spiritual sense gave him access to the spiritual realm. This is why he heard God walking in the spirit, in the garden. Y'all following me? You notice that to Jesus, the natural and the spiritual were just the same. When man committed treason, he was separated from life. Even in, in, in the physical realm, he was kicked out of the garden. An angel came and barred his way. He couldn't access the presence of God anymore. And in dying, he died. That spiritual realm that used to be open to him, he became deaf, dumb, and blind to it. He could no longer access it. So a man who did have six senses was relegated to at best five. He lived as a natural man in a natural world. If he didn't see it before it sought him, it might eat him. If he didn't hear it before it heard him, it might get him. You're following me. So when Jesus came along as the second Adam, he found man living below what God had created. Man was living without a spiritual sense. He had Nicodemus said this. Nicodemus said, I don't understand. How can a man be born again? And Jesus was kind of perplexed by this. He said, you're a teacher in Israel. Don't you know these things? Do you have no understanding of a spiritual realm? Nicodemus didn't understand it. Why? Because he had become separated from it. Is this okay this morning? So Jesus makes us spiritually alive. That ain't just about dying and going to heaven. That is to be able to walk through life aware of angelic presence, aware of the moving of the Spirit. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, the moving of the Holy Ghost is more real to me than the moving of the people around me. Years ago, I watched a movie, and I don't remember the name of it. Val Kilmer was in it. No, it wasn't Batman. It was a true story about a man who had lost his sight even as an infant, and he had grown up and lived his whole life as a blind man, completely blind. And as an adult, he 
found love and his love led him to an eye doctor and the eye doctor thought they could reverse the curse of blindness and so they did an operation and he was able to regain his sight he regained a sense that he'd been dead to but sight freaked him out and in the movie he really he didn't like sight he because he would walk into things because he didn't understand depth he didn't understand all these things that you and i just think are normal and and i'm going somewhere with this please follow me he walked into a glass because he thought, but if I can see through it, I can walk through it. And he couldn't process it. So he actually would walk around. He could see, but he would close his eyes because he was more comfortable being blind. He had learned how to live life as a blind man. And he was more, even though he had the ability to see, he didn't want to see because sight was freaking him out and he was making many mistakes. And there's a lot of saints. See, they've been made alive spiritually, but they close their eyes to spiritual things. And there's, there's entire schools of thought that teach that everything that was normal in the Bible is abnormal now and it ceased. There's no more miracles. There's no more moving of the spirit. There's no more angels, no more devils, no more of these things that in the Bible were normal. But in our modern day Christianity, they become abnormal. Why? Because what we've chosen to do is live by sight. Because we're more comfortable. See, I mean, it's, there are some people you can't even tell them you talk to God. Well, what would you do last night? I had a conversation with the Lord. When did that become abnormal? Don't even dare say you saw an angelic being, which in the Bible happened just about every five minutes. But in our modern day churches, oh, no, 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 no. Why? Because as a whole, you know, as a whole, we're more comfortable living with our natural senses. We don't want to know because that freaks us out. But we have to learn just like he should have learned. And at the end of the story, he chose blindness. Don't choose blindness. God has made you through Christ alive in the spirit. Be alive to spiritual things. Be alive to possibility, not just improbability. Be alive to, to his spirit. Be alive to his voice. Be alive. Don't freak out when you see things that other people don't see. you got a sense yes. that they don't have yes. because you've been made alive in Christ. Yes. You're, you are meant to have access. You can come right before the very throne of grace. That's a real place, so don't freak out if you actually see it. Yes. I think the church has handicapped ourselves badly by saying those things don't happen anymore. If they don't happen anymore, then what are we doing? We've, we, have, we have watered down and made the gospel about nothing more than getting to heaven when you die. But you got to live miserable, pathetic, impotent, hell-dominated lives till you get there. No! No, a million times, no. Every promise of God is yours, but it's in the inner man. You and I must retrain ourselves to live as spiritual beings. And it's not abnormal to have conversations with deity. It's not. My sheep shall. That means in order to know it, bro, you got to hear it. Is this okay? We need to learn to trust our spirits again. But our sight will fight, man. Your natural sense is that old man will fight for the right to dominate you. You know, it's almost like if you could give those, that old man a voice, he'd be saying, look it, I know I've screwed up sometimes. 
Like that time I didn't let you see the table and you kicked it. My bad, I didn't mean it. But we've been together our whole lives. Trust me. Now that faith stuff, that's wacky. Trust me. Don't trust it. Trust me. And this is where the war comes in. Your old man is saying, let's live natural lives. It's kind of like a slave who comes out of slavery. They might not have liked it, but they knew it. So when they're faced with the uncertainty of the future, they want to run back to what they know. And see, this is what the old man, when you're faced with the uncertainty of a spiritual experience, the old man will say, no, 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 no. Run back and trust what you can see. And so we confine ourselves to natural living. And then we got a lot in common with Val Kilmer, who had the ability to see but chose to walk around with eyes closed. Open your eyes. There's more to life than what you see with natural eyes. Open up your eyes. There's more to you than what you've ever thought. You look in the mirror and all you see are your flaws. God sees you perfected. Oh, I wish to God you could see yourself for one moment the way he sees you. Then you would quit hating yourself. You're God's masterpiece. You're beautiful. Like I said, I know on the outside you're quite attractive, but on the inside you are truly a knockout. Live from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Because on the inside, you got it all together. On the inside, you have the mind of Christ. You can understand the complexities. You can understand the the way to put it all together. When you see a business opportunity, quit trying to get it with this and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, release that wisdom on the inside of me. They say it's impossible. I know there's an empire here and I can build a business if you just give me the insight on how to do it. And it's all on the inside. You are not who they named you because all they see is the outside. Listen to this. this is, for, is this okay? I thought this would be a short sermon. I didn't set my timer, so I guess it will be no matter what time I end. First, listen, they're canceling flights anyhow. You ain't going to get to go nowhere for Christmas. <laughs> all things work together for my good. I claim the promises of God. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is what Paul said. Listen to this. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. Handle it roughly. Discipline it by hardship. And subdue it. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago I preached on subdue you? This is what Paul's saying. What part of him is he subduing? The outer man. That old man. That means that old man was fighting Paul for the right to be in control. And Paul had to keep reminding himself, no, I am not the old man. I'm a new man. I'm created in the image. Now, if Paul had to do it, you and I need to remind ourselves once in a while, no, this is not going to defeat me. And when things that are not of God try to come into your life, you need to declare, I'm not poor no more. It doesn't matter if my parents were poor and my grandparents were poor and all. I'm not. When disease tries to come in, just remind yourself, no, I'm not diseased. I'm the blessed of the Lord. I'm the healed of the Lord. Even through the pain, every time the pain strikes, declare it. 
Let the inner man come out and you'll win every time. I knew a man many years ago. Fantastic preacher. But he'd been addicted to cigarettes for years. Chain smoker. I invited him to come to Europe. And his first question was, he said, I'd love to come. How long's the flight? I said, well, you'll be in the air for about 10 hours. He said, I can't go 10 hours without a cigarette. I said, well, that's your problem. If you want to come, this is, <laughs> you can't drive here, bud. So this is what he did. This is what he told me. Because I asked him sometime later, I said, how did you finally win the victory over that addiction that had you for so many years? He said, in between puffs, I said, I don't do this no more. Every time he puffed, he said, I don't do it no more. See, he had tried everything. He had tried patches. He had tried pills. He had tried gum. He had tried uh, positive confessions. And the only thing that gave him the victory is he had to learn to live from the inside out because he realized the inside man ain't addicted to anything but the presence of the living God. So in between puffs, he'd say, I don't do this no more. I don't do this no more. And then one day he lit it up and said, I don't do this no more. And he was free. That's the path for freedom no matter what it is. See, you can win the battle over poverty in the exact same way. Look at that zero in your bank account and say, I ain't poor no more. Amen. I'm the blessed of the Lord. Amen. Is, this, is this okay? Yes. You're a winner. It doesn't matter how many times you've lost. You're a winner right. in Christ. Amen, so Paul said, I, I, I like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardship, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel of living victoriously. I'm throwing that in. Living by the grace of the living God and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Another translation says it this way, I discipline my body and make it my slave. Now notice what Paul, Paul is acting as if there is two of him. Do you see that? He said, I discipline my body get this I discipline my body because what you see ain't me any more than you can drive by my house and say that's Jimmy no that's just where I live see this is the Bible says we're not even supposed to know each other after the flesh anymore we're not even supposed to, because you ain't your house. This is why you're not a limited man. You're a redeemed man. Oh. See, if we would get this, I mean, we would get this. I ain't this. I live in this, but I buffet this. I subdue this. Why? Because this ain't going to win the war and make me live like a carnal man. I am going to win the war over this and walk through this planet like a spiritual man. I might look the same, but I ain't the same because just like Smith said, on the inside, bro, I'm better looking than I am on this. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I got it together. All I need to do is learn to live out of that spirit. Mm. 
Another translation says, listen, listen to this. I subdue my body and get it under my control. We can live by faith or not. Faith, as I said, faith freaks some people out. When did we allow the biblical normal to become our abnormal? Spiritual men living, listen to this, spiritual men living like natural men is like a seeing man living his life with his eyes closed, pretending to be blind. I think I'll say that again. I heard, yes, Lord. I'll say that again. Spiritual men living like natural men is like a seeing man living his life with his eyes closed, pretending to be blind. And you and I in Christ, we are spiritual. A whole new world will open up to you when you open up your eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. That's just Paul trying to outdo me by saying, if you're dead to that realm, that realm exists, but to you it don't. This is the reason why, listen, you should never let unspiritual men define your spirituality. It doesn't matter what title they have. It doesn't matter how big their church is. If they don't understand redemption, then why are you listening? If they can't teach you how to become the redeemed of the Lord, then why are you listening? Get some new books. Get some new mentors. Get somebody who will tell you who you are in Christ and what it means to be born again. That get, listen, <clears throat> salvation is just the doorway to redemption. It's like when I get saved, that opens up the door to kingdom living. But what would you say if somebody came over to visit you and they stopped in your doorway? And you said, come on in. The food's in the kitchen. Now, this is okay. I'll just stay right here. It's enough for me to smell it and know someday in the great beyond, I'll feast. And they start singing about Beulah land. Fried chicken in Beulah land. And you keep saying the fried chicken's in the kitchen. And they want to stay in the door because this is just fine by me. All I need is the doorway. I think you'd finally say, get in or get out. But make up your mind. Well, pastor, that ain't biblical. Oh, yeah, it is. I would that you would be hot or cold. But by being lukewarm and just standing in the doorway and talking about what could be and will be one day when it already is, don't you know you've already been made join heirs? Don't you know you've already been made to sit in heavenly places? Don't you know you are already in Christ and Christ is in you? That the promises of God are not waiting until decay hits your physical body? The promises of God are yes and amen for today and right now. You do not need to go one more 
your moment without the anointing of God operating in your life? You do not need to go one more moment without the glory of Christ flooding your soul. But walk in. Step through the door. Because all the treasures are on the other side. Hmm. You can choose, we can choose to close our eyes and walk by sight if we want to. Or we can choose to open our eyes and walk by faith if we choose. Ezekiel chapter 36, I'm trying to hurry here. Ezekiel 36 verse 26, listen to what the prophet said. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is what Paul said. He said, in, in my inner man, I delight to do the will of God because that new nature. See, listen, you don't have to strive to be holy. It's not about the way you do your hair. Or the way you do your clothes. You don't have to strive to be because you already are. When you wake up to who you are and you consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to righteousness. Then you start living holy naturally. You start living powerfully naturally. You start living supernaturally. Naturally. Is this okay? Jesus said something very similar in Luke chapter 17. Verse 21. Nor will people say, and he's talking about in that day, he said, nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In your hearts and among you, surrounding you. All of the things that we want to see are already in us. The power of the living God is in you already. The fullness of God is in you already. Christianity, listen to this. Christianity is God dealing with our spirit, the spirit of man, not the behavior of man. See, and this is where most churches have missed it. We focus on behavior modification instead of the revelation of redemption. I don't have to teach a wolf to be a wolf. That's just, there was a lady in a broken arrow, Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa, who thought it would be a bright idea to raise wolves. And she raised wolves and she started selling wolves. And then pretty soon, broken arrow in Tulsa had a problem. Everywhere there was a wolf, there were no other type of pets. And this is a true story. Because this lady was selling people wolves and they were thinking that wolves were just like chihuahuas. And well, a wolf ain't no chihuahua. And eventually the wolf is going to do what wolves do. Eat the chihuahua. And it started eating lots of chihuahuas and kitty cats. And so the city of Tulsa had to come and make a new law. Thou shalt not sell wolves. Because you can name a wolf Buffy. <laughs> it's 
is still a wolf. You following me? What you are by nature, all you need is the freedom to be it. And see, this is where grace steps in. Grace steps in and says, just be who God made you to be. You want to be holy? I made you holy. You want to obey the ordinances? It's not by willpower. He said, I will put a new heart within you, and then you will naturally obey me. Because the problem we had with obeying God was the old man was at war with God. I couldn't obey God when I wanted to. This is what Paul said. Is this okay? Romans chapter 7. Paul said, I want to be good, and I can't be good. I want to obey, and I can't obey. When I want to do something, I don't do it. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing it. I don't understand. I'm kind of confused. Who's going to deliver me from this? Jesus Christ. Ah, so now the holiness I always sought, I can be because I am. The righteousness of God, I am. Because he made me the very righteousness of God in Christ. That's great. Mm. That's great. I'll hurry up here. The Pharisees missed it because they focused only on the outward. A lot of churches today are missing it because they focus only on the outward. And I'm going to say this. It doesn't matter what side of the coin you focus on. If it's a counterfeit coin, both sides are counterfeit. It's real easy for us to point at the religious people with the beehive hairdos and, and say, oh, look at them religious folk. But if we focus on nothing but, it doesn't matter whether it's a suit from Kmart or Armani. If that's all you're focusing is on the outward, it's both, you following me? Yes, sir. It's about living out of the inner man. Yes. Okay, let me say this. Then I'll, I don't want to lose you here. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 through 27. Great sorrow awaits you, you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and pretenders. For you are obsessed with the outermost issues, the peripheral issues like insisting on paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. These matters are fine, yet you ignore the most important duty of all, to walk in the love of God, to display mercy to others, and to live with integrity. Readjust your values and place first things first. What is he saying? You're putting all the priority on the externals. He said, readjust it and put your priorities on the internals. Let's keep reading. What, what blind guides, nitpickers? You will spoon out a gnat from your drink, yet at the same time you've gulped down a camel without realizing it. Verse 25. Great sorrow awaits you, you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and impostors. You are like the one who will only wipe clean the outside of a cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and self-indulgent that live like germs within you. You are blind and deaf to your evil. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also be concerned with cleaning the inside? You need to have more than clean dishes. You need clean hearts. Great sorrow awaits you, you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and impostors. You are nothing more than tombs painted with fresh coats of white paint, tombs that look shining and beautiful on the outside, but on, within are found decaying corpses full of nothing but corruption. What's the Lord saying? Religion will always focus on the outside. 
Christianity focuses on the inside. It's not about changing the outside. It's about redeeming the inside. And then when the inside of the cup is clean, the outside will get cleaned as well. But if we focus only on the externals, we're going to miss what he called the weightier matters, the better things. Loving God. And if I might interject this, being loved by God. Letting God love you. Treating others with mercy. When? All the time. Living with integrity. I'm going to hurry up now. We're closing. This is my first close, though. The freeing of the hidden man of the heart, as Peter called it, is crucial if we are to live kingdom lives. There is a you that has been recreated and set free if we will let him free. That which is hidden needs to be revealed. And in closing, I'm going to give you just five simple ways, and I'm not going to expound on them. You don't need any explanation. You know all these things. Five ways to unlock the hidden man. Number one, word. This is how we renew our mind and become transformed into his image. We need the word integrated and assimilated into our lives. Number two, praise and worship. This is how you unlock the hidden man of the heart. Praise and worship. Intimacy with God is obtained with private as well as public times of praise and worship. Number three, prayer. Learn to communicate with God. All relationship is built on communication. Number four, wait on the Lord. Put yourself into a state of expectation. That's what it means to wait. To wait doesn't mean you sit down by the campfire of life and sing kumbaya, my Lord, whatever will be, will be. No, that's just stupidity. To wait on the Lord is to place yourself in a state of expectation, like a good waiter or waitress at a restaurant. When they're waiting on you, they're in a state of expectation. When your cup gets half full, if they're good, they're there. Right? When they see you need new bread, it's broad. That's, that's a state of expectation. It's a, it's, a, it's a state of awareness, and they're looking for any sign that you need something. And that's what it, to wait on the Lord means we put ourselves in a state of expectation. I will wait and see what the Lord will say to me. Number one, word. Number two, praise and worship. Number three, prayer. Number four, wait on the Lord. Number five, fasting. And I know in the church we like to say, well, I'm fasting TV. That's good and that's grand, but that ain't fasting. Fasting biblically is to give up food and drink for a time. And the reason for it is this. Food and drink is the body's number one drive. And by denying it, it's number one drive. You're telling it you ain't number one. So when you fast, you are what you're treating the body harshly and you're treating it like Paul, you're buffeting it. You're you're putting it down and you're saying, I'm a spirit man first. And my spirit man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you and I want to be spiritual, there are some spiritual disciplines. Get in the word more than you've ever got into it so you can release the true treasure of who you are. Spend some time in private Worship and praise. Learn how to worship the Lord. Number three, talk to him. 
Number four, wait on them. And number five, fast. These are all ways of releasing the hidden man. And I'm closing with a story because this is what makes it Christmas. Can you imagine a more wonderful gift to the world than to become the church of the living God? So aware of who we are in him that when we encounter the sick, it's abnormal that they stay sick. I mean, when we become aware of who we are, our shadows. See, this is Bible. Our shadows passing by them, they get up and walk. What did Peter have that you don't? You're a partaker of the same redemption, Peter. You're following me. What a greater gift to give to our Christ than to be the men and the women that he has dreamed of and ordained and graced and empowered that we would be. What a greater gift for a husband to give a wife than for her to wake up in the morning and find the redeemed of the Lord. The husband she always wanted and was always married to, but he just had never been that. What a greater gift. What a greater gift for a wife to give her husband than to be the real her whose beauty on the inside far exceeds anything Mary Kay could ever give her. Right? Because it's, it's of the heart. True story. There was a husband and wife who had three children, been in church. I won't tell you that it was a Baptist church. I didn't tell you what kind of church it was. <clears throat> but they had been in church their whole lives. But the children knew that what everyone else saw on Sunday was not what they experienced the rest of the week because their home was filled with strife, harsh words, hatred, bitterness, arguments. Then one day the husband was handed a book. And in the book, he discovered what it meant to be the redeemed of the Lord. He saw in the writing of this book, what he could be. And so he made a vow. I'm going to be this man. And his wife asked him, suspicious of everything he did, what are you reading? And he shared it with her. And this is a true story. And he told her what this book revealed that he could be. And she said, well, I want to be your counterpart. He said, are you willing to take this journey with me? She said, I'll go with you every step of the way. I don't want life to be what it's always been. So they made a vow to live out of their spirits. They never said a word to anyone. And after three days, their eldest daughter came to him and said, Mommy, what have you and Daddy done? And she said, Baby, what are you talking about? You haven't argued since last week. You hug instead of scream. You love instead of hate. And so they shared the story of their decision to live with their eyes wide open to spiritual things with their daughter. And she made the decision. And eventually the whole house lived kingdom lives. Strife, bitterness, and harsh words were a thing of the past. What a better 
Christmas gift there could be, I can't imagine. You can't get peace like that on Amazon. I searched. I couldn't find it. I typed in joy unspeakable and full of glory. It said zero results. But if you go to the New Testament in Christ and you type in. Father, in Jesus name. I want joy. That's unspeakable and full of glory. Underneath it, you'll see one, two words. Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. Let this be a Christmas unlike any other Christmas.